You are listening to the Draper Fisher Jurvetson Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Seminar, brought to you weekly by Stanford Technology Ventures Program at Stanford University School of Engineering. I have an incredible pleasure of introducing someone very, very special to me personally today. I'm going to be introducing Mr. Chung Moon Lee. And uh, all of you have his bio in front of you, so I'm not going to tell you what you already know. And he is going to also tell you a remarkable story over the next hour that I think is going to be completely and totally inspiring. In fact, Mr. Lee gave this talk. He came with me to China last summer and gave this talk. And right afterward, I said, I hope you'll come to Stanford and share this story with our students because it's extremely powerful and inspiring. But the reason Mr. Lee is so uh, special to me is that not only is he a very successful entrepreneur, he's also a remarkable philanthropist. And he is so excited about entrepreneurship education that he endowed my position. So I am the Chung Moon Lee Executive Director of the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. And it is my very, very special pleasure to invite him to talk to us today. So the format of today is going to go as father, follows. Mr. Lee's going to give a talk that he prepared, and then we're going to come and sit down in our little uh, living room here, and I'm going to ask him some questions. We'll, of course, leave some time for all of you to ask some questions at the end. So, without further ado, Mr. Lee. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Slig, and uh, good afternoon. And my name is Chong Moon Lee, and uh, I uh, like to share with you uh, today that how miserable life I went through, and. Uh, how hardship I had uh, being in uh, Silicon Valley for uh, 35 years, 36 years now. I'm very pleased to uh, share my uh, story of entrepreneurship with you. When I was your age, I never introduced, I intended to become an entrepreneur. I started my career as a school teacher. And I went to uh, the Vanderbilt National Tennessee. I had a master's degree in library science because I've been grown up in very poor family. And uh, we had tough time having uh, three meals a day. With that environment, only thing I can learn and improve myself is to read a book. I love to read a book. I don't have money to buy the book. So I uh, aimed my professionalism for uh, being a librarian so that I can read the books in the library has. So I had a master's degree in library science. I thought it's very, very important to continue like a career of those days to teach young people to read why to read. 
And, uh, you know, we had the uh, slogan of Book Week in Korea. Problems, answers are in the book. Read the book. So I started as a library a professor at the college. And then I had a family business, pharmaceutical business, which is halfly Chinese herbal business. And they asked me to join, which I didn't like it. Because it's a family business, I had no choice. So I joined. Thank God, all the pharmaceutical industry in Korea, they said no one had overseas education. I was the only one. Being library student, I know where to find original source. In the library, expensive, I mean, uh, extensively, no one library can afford to buy the books being published. No one library has enough budget and the facility to store. Then no one library has to buy every book being published. You have to select the book. Right author, right topic, and the right subject in the book. With that background, I tried to find original source of the world where the pharmaceutical application goes into the human body. I contacted 11 American European manufacturers. We started producing antibiotics. In 1960, antibiotic is high-tech product in human life. We started to manufacture antibiotic product in Korea, and we exported. We're the only one in entire Asia, including Japan, had Food and Drug Administration in Washington approved our quality and the manufacturing process. So we're able to export anywhere in the world. Good price, only unlimited market. And then, as you know, being a part of family business, I've been running business as a CEO style, but I have my brother. He's a CEO. When it comes to important business decision-making, even you run your show, you cannot make a decision of your own. You have to consult the people. People are the family members. There's elders and older people and some younger ones. You cannot make business decisions without consulting them. And they are not as well as informed the guy like you running show every day. So it's very frustrating. So I decided I'll leave this company. I know where to go. So I ended up in Silicon Valley. I started my life exporting American goods, exporting into Japan because I had no money being here. So exporting as a broker. I made a pretty good money. Now I have a two kids. I have three kids, but two. Uh, they're a good example. Elder one's a daughter. Younger one is a son. So in 1980, I bought my daughter Apple II E machine. You know, Apple, Apple C, Apple II, Apple II E, and then Macintosh. So I bought 
April 2 year for my daughter. And the younger one is son. The 1981 IBM introduced IBM PC. I bought him for IBM PC because he would be getting into the business. So IBM PC has a more business application than educational. And then with the Apple machine, all elementary and the secondary education in this country equipped with the Apple machine. Apple, Apple C, Apple II, Apple II is. IBM came up with the PC in 1981. I went to school, look how this wonderful machine do, compared to Apple. And the school district, superintendent office, they watch the, what IBM PC does, but hey, what we do with Apple sitting on here? That's a problem of the entire education of this country. I didn't know this problem. Well, I realized this problem in my family. Because my son, having IBM PC, always spending all, until 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning in the sister's room. Well, what do you do there? Oh, we enjoy the computer. you got a better computer. IBM PC is better, you know, twice expensive than Apple IIEs. Hey, Dad, IBM has great business application, but not as many as software as Apple does. Oh, really? As a non-engineer, I only knew one thing. That Apple was an 8-bit machine and IBM PC is a 16-bit machine. Because I'm a non-engineer, just like, uh, you know, just came uh, the uh, uh, idea that, hey, I don't think we can put the 16-bit machine into 8-bit, but I think we can put the 8-bit machine into 16-bit. Uh, Plus, IBM PC, if anyone of you recall, first version, earlier version, always had an eight slot in the motherboard. So I realized this might be a great idea, getting into business. Running Apple II software on IBM PC. I thought I can save America's education. I started. I was excited. I stopped my exporting business. I looked around the engineer to hire. I uh, ran into one very bright Korean engineer guy in Korea. I brought him in. I teamed up the team of four to start with around him. We estimated the hardware can be done within 12 months. Save a half million, the maximum one million investment. I think I can afford it. We started. It took six years. Why? They're over 100. Copyright the patents on Apple machine and the software. There were about Almost 20,000 softwares by vendors because those days Apple was so popular. We have to circumvent all this. Copyright patent took six years. I can tell you now I'm not a smart guy. If I were a smart guy, I would have given it up earlier. I'm stubborn enough 
a shtick on this. And my family life rattled. My wife telling me, you should stop it. You're a good business guy, I know. You ran into wrong area, you don't know. So I ended up divorced. So I had to share half of what I had. My bank account dried up. Credit company took my credit card away. I ended up going collecting cabbage. Cabbage, uh, cabbage that uh, from the uh, grocery store. That freshness is overdue that they have to throw it away. I picked it up, I steamed it, I ate it. No money. No money at all. I had one engineer, Korean guy I brought. Everybody left me. My family, my wife, everybody left me except this guy. Why did this guy stick with me? He was applying for green card with my company name. So he cannot leave. I promised him. I promised him. I owed employee tax $480,000. Employee tax. That is not my money. That's government money. IRS came. They showed me handcuffs. We came here to arrest you. And what I did? I made a big speech. I am trying to save America's education. This is what I do. This is how I spent all my money. I'm still stick with it. When this protocol comes, you will save elementary and secondary education. Always IBM goes to our PC clone manufacturer those days, uh, Radio Shack, Tandy was number two, or number one clone manufacturer, and the number two PC manufacturer after IBM. When they make a PC goes to school, they short, but school cannot buy. Finally, after six years of my struggle, Radio Shack came to me. I want to buy your product. Radio Shack, number two PC manufacturer of those days. And then eight months later, IBM came to me. I want your product to distribute. By that time, we all went through copyright and patent. I had to hire a lawyer with engineer, communicate with the Apple. This is what we have. So we are legally free. We notified the Apple. Then IBM came to us. We like to distribute your product. So that is how six years of miserable life, lost our families and then being paid off. Thank God, I was just stubborn enough and stupid to stick on this stupid program. Now, I have to share with you how 
the uh, young entrepreneurs like you people getting into the business. When I started the business to showing venture capitalists, the venture capitalists didn't even look at me. You're not an engineer. You don't know. You don't understand high tech. No, you don't understand characteristics of a high tech business. <coughs> Silicon Valley is a place where monkeys, monkeys, running around, jumping around the tree to tree, monkeys fall off from tree. You're not monkey. You're puppy. You try to climb the tree. It will never happen. So I say, you know, I see traffic accidents, people being killed by the automobile. We see the statistics all the time, but I don't see any blind that can be killed by the car. They are very careful. They walk very carefully. I can get all the information I need. I'll tell you about this book later. I know little about the how the Silicon Valley functions. I can benefit out of this. So I had no venture capital done. Ended up, thank God, when I uh, had went through the IPO, I raised 126 million with 30 percent of my company. I owned the 70 percent. I gave 30 percent my employee. I produced 34 million years out of IPO. And the San Jose Mercury reported the largest IPO in two years. And Netscape came around in October of 1995. They was larger than us, much larger than us. So, working this six years, I served Diamond. Uh, originally, I started with IBM and the Apple compatible computer system. I wanted. I and changed my cost and then uh, started add-on card. So I named Diamond Computer Systems. From the co-processor board, after we moved into uh, graphic window acceleration in 1991. We got into that area, 89, where MS-DOS operating system for IBM PC. In the 1991, Microsoft introduced Windows. I got into graphic business from co-processor card into graphic. There were 18 people there. 18 companies competing each other. I was 18th one got into market. In five years, I became number one. IDC, International Data Corporation, even today, they are the center of collecting all this high-tech market intelligence numbers, publishing. IDC listed us as a high-end 
wind accelerator, number one brand. Viper understand. Number one brand. 1993-4-5。I step down at five as a CEO。我有number one brand。And the Inc.Magazine。reported us。We are17th-fastest-growing。private company。in America。And,San-Jose-Business-Journal-reported。We are8th。Fastest growing company in Silicon Valley. As a non-engineer, I mobilize it, engineers, I stick with it, never give up. I saw the end of the tunnel. That probably good example for you. I'll mention that, don't ever give it up. And so I poured in about 4 million, but I ended up, as I said, 30% of company equity, I raised 126 million. So that is good <laughs> reward for me. With this poor guy, cannot leave from Korea. I promised him 10% of company. First initial IPO, he ended up $12 million cash in his pocket. Exactly 10th year, he arrived here from Korea with suitcase. So he had cash at $12 million. He still owned but 6% or 7%. Okay, I have a limited time to go. And uh, if I may, I'd like to mention about the entrepreneurship, the education. Excuse me. Today, I want to tell you that in many cases, an entrepreneur should be ready to go through all kinds of challenges, to be ready to fight for what he or she believes, and to never give up the spirit as well as perseverance to overcome these hurdles. As Winston Churchill said, never give up. Never, never. For the 14 years I had the company as a CEO and the three more years as a chairman of the board, the company reached 580 million annual revenue with 1,500 employees. When I was a CEO at Diamond, I worked Literally from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Not to mention countless sleepless 
nine. Uh, people call me 7-Eleven. Ten years after the IPO, I'm still working with many talented young entrepreneurs, this time as a venture capitalist, which gives me renewed fun and the youthful energy. I love coaching these young entrepreneurs and sharing the lessons I have learned about the kind of the problems they might face during their uncharted journey into business. Focus of entrepreneurship education. Based on my experience, I believe that successful entrepreneurs must be able to look forward with a crystal clear vision. They must be able to make a decision based on their strategic judgment. Must be able to collect and analyze information on the competition and the market. And they must have great communication skill with customers, investors, and the stakeholders. This communication in team because the business, there's no guarantee. The communication skill, trust among the team, with customers, with investors, with the stakeholders, communication skill. Many young entrepreneurs lacking communication skill. I strongly recommend to read few books on how to communicate and then how to work with very difficult personality people. Now, on the one scale, an entrepreneur must have is a leadership. The second key to success is a dynamic managerial style. In order to be a strong leader and a great manager, here are the things I believe you need to do. One, you should be bright, optimistic, and a cheerful in nature. As a French philosopher, Alain, says, pessimism is from your sentiment, but optimism is based on your volition, which means willpower. When it comes to the business or athletic game, you should be a tough fighter with a hungry appetite for the success, never yielding in front of any difficulties and any challenges. Any challenges. You also need to have highly strategic approach to every issue in business. If you do not have a strong conviction, you better stay away from running your own business because as an entrepreneur, there's no comfort zone, safety net, security, nor any guarantee. Two, regardless of the level of your education, you should honestly admit when you are lacking certain skills and try to improve yourself to the extent, the level demanded by business. 
You should consider having a seasoned mentor or outside consultant for specific topics. Three, business can only be evaluated by profit it generates in the competitive marketplace. Same as athletics, games are counted by the scores. You need to, to constantly pursue technological innovation with your product as well as the quality of the service and the position yourself always ahead of your competition, which is easy to say, but many companies fail to do so. Four, business is there to compete. Just like an athletic in a competition for a medal. In order to survive a competition, you need to create and create the strategy and the tactics constantly. That means you should always be strategically prepared. You can strike back at the competitor offense with a superior product or service and by having much better game plan. It should not be guessing game. When I got into the PC multimedia industry in 1988, there were 17 companies competing with one another in the market, including IBM. I was the number 18 entry member in the already crowded market. Five years later, 93, 94, 95, my product was number one player in the market. Five, you will realize that there are various gaps or problems that need to be addressed between the strategic thinking and the daily business realities. That is why the essence of entrepreneurship is problem solving, including problem analysis, pinpointing solutions, and action. Many smart people love to talk, but they always want someone else grabs hand grenade and they sneak into the enemy's bunker and they throw at it. Remember, people troubleshoot, tackles current problems, and also deals with the problem, possible problems that will show up on the horizon in the very near future. It is like a preventive medicine where you treat the problems before they become visible. It is also very important to detect the optimum way of problem solving in the shortest possible time frame. The truth is, however, in this world where there is no problem, there is no profit. You, only way to produce a profit is to productively solve the business problems better and faster than your competition. Six, an entrepreneur should have the obligation to produce the best performance every month, every quarter, and every year as measured by financial statement. That is why you have to keep changing 
your strategies and the tactics constantly. When you are through the changes, you are through. When you are through the changes, you are through. Also, you should have good relationship with investors, customers, employees, and then other stakeholders through organizing as well as personal communication. It is also advisable to build up good human network by actively participating in the industry and the community activities and the event. In human life or human race, winning and losing is a matter of a very little difference. For example, take the horse race. The difference between winner and the loser is the speed of <coughs> nose or head on finish line. Which is razor thin. The, old, uh, the other day, I happened to watch the Winter Olympic game going on in Torino. An American skater won the 5,000 meter speed skating, which is about 3.1 miles, with 6 minutes 14 some seconds. 6 minutes 14 seconds. Loser, 6 minutes 16 seconds. Matter of 2 seconds. There's a winner, there's a loser. Out of 3.1 miles. So winning and losing is a razor thin. Suppose those athletes to aim the medal day and night, year in, year out, see how their physical, mental, exercise, they put their heart and soul for this, their goal. If we as a business people, we cannot do like athletes do, but we can do similar to our business lifestyle. Success and the failure is based on your work style, and your lifestyle. Again, as I mentioned earlier, if you're looking for comfort life, don't ever try to get into business. Business may ruin you. I took the similar approach as athletes did. Day and night, struggling to deliver the best product to the market at the best price. There was a how we could deliver the world the best producing, best product during 1993, 94, and 95 until I stepped down as a CEO. Despite the fact that building a business is enormous challenge that can take years to accomplish. It is an incredible journey. 
I've learned so much along the way and have benefited greatly from experience. I am so thankful that I went through such a difficult life, not only with the money, but humiliating life path with the pains, which taught me what human life is really about and how to cope with it. You know, again, if the weather continues to be fine all the time, with no rain for 365 days, then the nature would become what would turn into desert, like a Sahara. Heavy rains, snowstorms, gusty winds, all kinds of hardship help you to be a better person, better human being. I'm sure you will know Frank Sinatra's song, My Way. What I'm trying to say to you today is, I did not do the Silicon Valley way, but I did it in my own way. Thank you very much. And uh, this is the book I'd like to introduce you. You may not find the bookstore, but you will find it at uh, Stanford Library. Now, I was an uh, editor with the, uh, uh, three other uh, co-editors. They are all faculty members at the Stanford. Silicon Valley Age. There are lots of books on Silicon Valley. But this was the book aimed to show how Silicon Valley Habitat. The word habitat was co-editor William Miller created this word into habitat, into high-tech industry. How the Silicon Valley habitat and the clusters interwoven work together. There are 26 contributors into this book. They all expertise in each area. So this is the book it's the only book I should say will tell you how Silicon Valley interact. I hope it benefits. You can find this book uh, from the library or yeah, I don't think you can find this in the, from the uh, book. Please come join me. Thank you very here. much. Thank you. I have a few questions for you. Um, as you can all imagine, uh, Mr. Lee is an amazing inspiration and a role model for me, and I'm so thrilled you could tell the story. I also want to uh, mention, uh, so I don't forget, that Mr. Lee is the chairman of the board of a bank that's in Southern California, and he changed the board meeting so that he could be here today and talk to you all today. I know he's taking off and just after this talk uh, to go uh, tend to his other big responsibilities. So I want to mention something that you didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. And that is your philanthropy. Um, if you don't know, Mr. Lee is one of the most generous people in Silicon Valley. Uh, he, the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco is the Chung Moon Lee Asian Art Museum. Uh, I know that every time I go to the Palto Clinic, I see the Chung Moon Lee uh, Travel Medicine Department and the Urgent Care Department. And I know that there are many other things, including myself and my own position, uh, that is named after you because of your incredible generosity. Maybe you could tell us how that spirit of generosity has co come to you um, after all of these years of success. Thank you. Uh, you know, I told you I'm from very poor family. And uh, but we did own the pharmaceutical business after uh, World War II ended. 
uh, uh, World War ended, I was 18 years old, on the Japanese occupation. So we had a tough life. I came to the world with empty hand. And I struggled. I struggled. And uh, I've been fortunate that when I was in Korea, pharmaceutical business was very successful. And uh, after I arrived here, uh, with my ideas, I went to, uh, I had no money, so I would act as a broker and exporting American goods to Japan and in Asia. I made reasonably good money, so I went to uh, this high-tech business. You know, I have three kids, and they're all doing well in their own area. And even they don't do well. I have no intention to give, inherit, because I don't know how many Asian students here. Asia, such as China and Korea, in historically, we had no government. Japan, yes. Last 300 years, Japan had a government to take care of people. China and Korea, we had an emperor, we had a king. But they don't take care of people. We had no government. That's what Asian people, anything they grab in hand, it has to give to own children. They don't, I don't want my children go through with the same way I struggled. But you know, I rather won't go the other way. I want my children go through the same way I did. More excitement, more reward. So, rather than giving to children, you know, this society here is a participatory society. We have to participate. How you made money? Who helped you make money? In this book, last chapter I had, in my chapter, I had the four different entrepreneurship in this book. And then uh, one page I mentioned, why you want to be business people? Why you want to be successful? Rich and famous? I know many people, they ruin their life because they had money and they are rich and they are famous. Is it rich and famous people can be respected? I don't think so. What is the respect for? So, I think we get into interpersonal first. What am I going to do with if I'm successful? My suggestion is Return it to the society. Then you will be respected. And then you will be recognized. So that's what I'm trying to do. And, uh, and help people. Uh, I, uh, I like to help people that are struggling like I did in the past. I like to help people. And uh, so that they're not taking six years. It could shorten up in four years and five years if with my help. And uh, that's the whole idea. Why you want to be successful? What are you going to do with the money if you make? I love that idea that even at this stage in one's life, when you're a student, you should have an image of once you're successful, what are you going to do? And how are you going to give back? I, uh, uh-huh. So let me ask you a question. As we look around at these students here, what do you wish that you had learned in school? What would have helped you shorten that period of time from six years to four or three or two to be successful? What, what do you wish you had known? Well, 
You know, I experienced this when I invest when I invest young engineers they don't know how to use this money. In other words, they must be priority. For example, I was to buy 150 workstation. When we create the program, we have to test it. 150 machines. They want to buy. No, you can rent it. Or you can go to a company like Oracle, the big place. If workable with an Oracle product, you can use their lab to test it. There are many ways you can save initial stage. I'll show you my interesting story. After IPO, I received one phone call from somebody. Name is Dan Valentine. I don't know any one of you understand that name. He was a very big man in venture capital. He's one of eight people in Silicon Valley established. One of eight. Sequoia Venture Capital. He's the number one man there. He retired now. He called me. He called me. So I said, oh, who's calling, please? Dan? No, Dan. Which, uh, Dan what? Dan Valentine? Which company are you work with? Sequoia Venture Capital. Oh, no. Yes, you, Mr. Dan Valentine, calling Chong Moon Lee. Yes. Can we have a lunch? Of course. I have a lunch. You ask me, what are you going to do with the money? I don't know. Are you going to take a six-month vacation? Hell no. <laughs> and uh, I say, you know, I have an idea. Yes, sir. You know Sequoia basically. Of course. We invest into company. There are more Asians, Chinese and Indians coming along. We invest. We cannot sit on the board of all these companies. You made, he, his words said, such a lousy technology, you built a very good business, he said. <laughs> so, you join me. You don't have to do due diligence. We evaluate technology. You know we are successful venture capital. Of course, you are number one, number two. We invest ten. In that case, we invested eight. You invest two sitting on the board. Teach them how to spend money, how to go. And I told him at the uh, lunch, I have another idea for you. What is it? So, as you said, Asian guys come around very well. There are some successful people. Why don't we organize one fund for Asian people? They invest into a fund, invest in, I'll invest in, and making, and then these Asian successful guys will bring more investment uh, opportunity to you because it's a sequoia. Great idea, which we did. We did, and we made it very successful. So, make a long story short, they asked me to sit on. As I said today, I'm 7 Eleven type of guy. Once I really want to compete, I compete. I don't give it up until I see the end. I really lose. I really lose. So, that I like to 
work with the young entrepreneurs. So let me ask you a question. You're speaking about venture capital. You didn't get VC money. No. You tried. They didn't trust me. You tried. You tried and tried, and oh, they yes. called. You know, oh, they yes. basically made fun of you. Yes, yes. So now you are a big venture capitalist. How do you do things differently so that you don't make the same mistakes and missing opportunities that they missed? First, I want to understand the fellow who come asking me to invest. Personality, walkable, what size of a timber it is, how this man can grow. When every stage of life, People had 100,000, one personality, one in the 5 million out of 100,000 personality changes. 10 million different guy. Whether this guy has a well-rounded personality or this guy has a guts to, uh, to uh, make things happen. Or this guy can be one of the sages, he can be turned around as a scared dog. And what technology? Technology is what team. I have one case that I invested all in the money ran out and the board of directors decided to shut it down. And uh, I say no. Because assembling these talented people is not easy today. So we turned this company around using same engineers with a different product. We made it successful, we sold it to Intel. And so we see this personality first, and then technology and the team. Fabulous. Yes. So I want to open it up to questions. We've got about six or seven minutes left. So who from the audience would like to ask Mr. Lee a question? Any questions? Well, I'll throw out another one. As we look around this audience, we see a lot of faces from students from around the world. And I know that you and I have had a lot of discussions about globalization. Uh -huh. What do you see as changing now as the world is getting smaller related to entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough question. You know, globalization used to be, when I was young, when you want to study medicine, you have to go to Germany. And mechanical engineering, you have to go to Germany. Literature and then art, you have to go to France. After World War II, 1945, between 1945 and 1955, all this engineering studies, medical science, whatever, you had to go to America. It's changed. Today, those days, from German university graduate, well, literature, France, was a top-notch first class. Today has changed. Even America has changed. So, name of the game is individual, who that person is. It's not nationality. It doesn't matter which country you come from. For example, there are almost 200 million population countries. They're struggling daily life. 
200 million population. But there are countries, 10 million, shining country. You know, there are countries, just like Belgium, Finland, Norway, Denmark, 7 million, 6 million. But they are shining stars. Their average income is 30,000, 40,000. Their population over billion and over 300 million, 400, 500 million GP, I mean, you know, personal per capita income is what? Less than thousand dollars. It's not size. Not where you from Indonesia, where you from uh, Bornai or anywhere. It's an individual who that person is. So you have to keep, like an athlete, you have to keep changing yourself constantly. If you don't do it, you cannot make successful because you make a decision to that level as much as you know. When you have more knowledge, you see further. For example, when you walk in dark night, dark night, you need a flashlight. When you ride a bike in the dark night, you probably need a candle or flashlight. When you drive automobile, you have to see at least 1,000 feet out, light up. When it comes to airplane, four miles front, light, powerful light. The engine size, lighting up the distance, exactly come to you. How much you know the world? How much you know how this world functions? You can make better decisions. So it's a constantly try to improve yourself. If I tell you one of my secrets today, I read 15 daily newspapers today. If you see my car, it's a junk. <laughs> I cannot read all day. So I read it over the weekend. You can imagine how much journal I read. I had, as she said, you know, I'm involving bank. I'm a chairman of the one bank. We are restructurizing this. Somebody wants to be executive VP. I say, no. I know the bank. I've been with this bank 14 years. I know the bank. There's nobody else in the world better than me. No, yes, I agree. You know the bank. You know the bank process. You know the bank people hard work. How the paperwork goes, you know better than anybody else. That's not enough. Simply, I cannot promote you, yes. You don't read the business journal. I went to your office many times. You don't read the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Investment Day, Business Daily News, and the Economist. You don't read this. How can you be EBP? That person shut mouth up and walked away. <laughs> you know what? On that note, we will end. I have to tell you, I hope that you have been as inspired by Mr. Lee as I am every single time I get to spend time with him. Thank you so much. You, really you. a pleasure. <laughs> and I want to hand over to Kimber, who has a okay. uh, presentation from Basic.
is, I'd like to thank you for coming and speaking today. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.